morning. Let's go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Come now to the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. And this fruit is described with many different words here in this passage, but it's called fruit. Fruit, because it's born of one Spirit. It has one source, the Holy Ghost. And this fruit stems from the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. All blessings of God are because of Him. It's in and through Christ, who gave Himself, who laid down His life for His bride, which are you that believe. He he works that faith in you, which looks outside of you, which looks away from you and looks to Christ, who is our life and gives us all things. And he gives us the Spirit, and the Spirit bears fruit, the fruit of Christ in his people. Now, here it's singular, fruit, but don't get too caught up in that. Sometimes in the scripture, it's called the fruit of righteousness, and other times it's the fruits of righteousness. But it's born of the Spirit of Christ dwelling in us, which he obtained for us in the blessings of God when he rose from the dead victoriously, triumphantly, having done and accomplished your redemption which he came to do according to the will of his Father. And so we praise and we glory in our Savior. These works are not of us. They're not of this flesh. Our Lord said in John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so this is spiritual Fruit, it is not fleshly fruit. We don't cultivate it, fertilize it, produce it, get it to come by the works of the flesh. The flesh, the works of the flesh, is always contrary to the Spirit, the Spirit of God in you. Look at Galatians 5.17. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. If you try to replicate, because people do, we we do. (laughs) I've tried to replicate the fruit of the Spirit, and it's nothing more than rotten, stinky fruit. It doesn't go anywhere. And if we labor in the flesh, if we, if we see in our brethren them bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, when it's looked at in the flesh, it, we look at it in a cynical way. And, we, and, and if we try to produce it, we produce it in a very guarded way, holding back. Well, I don't want to be just too free with this. Someone's going to take advantage of me. I don't want to be taken advantage of. That's the, that's the flesh talking. That's how the flesh is. Flesh is always worried, well, wait a minute, somebody else might 
calculate and counter against me, and that's just the flesh. <laughs> it's just the, the flesh. And rather than just being thankful that the Lord has given you a heart of thankfulness, and, and you're just bearing fruit because it's not any, anything we do, and just letting the Lord take it where he will take it, where the Spirit will, will take it and, and bless whom he will bless. So where the works of the flesh are involved, there's going to be cynicism about it. There's going to be doubts. There's going to be excuses. There's going to be a holding back. Like if you look at, at love and faith, for example, you'll do it in a very calculated, careful manner. You'll be very calculated in, in who you love and how much you love them and how trusting you are of the Lord in it. You'll, you'll hold back. And it'll be shallow, and it'll be nothing more than, than a cloak for your own sin. All right? What is that, that fairy tale from when we were little, when the, the old lady came to Snow White with the apple? There was nothing benevolent in the giving of that apple. It was deceitful. It was to do her harm. That's the flesh, even if it's masked with goodness or kindness. That's just the, the flesh does that. But where the spirit bears these fruits and our flesh is kept down and mortified by the grace of God working in us, it's going to benefit and it will edify the children of God or to whoever, to, to whomever it is shown and, and, and they'll be edified and, and blessed in it. So the fruit of the spirit now, notice in this passage, we're looking at verses 22 and 23, but where it talks of the works of the flesh, it's called the works of the flesh. Paul uses that word, the works of the flesh. And then for the spirit, he says it's the fruit of the spirit. And that's, he, he meant that. The spirit meant that because what does work do? Work is a labor. Work is something that we do for wages. Some of you have jobs that you do enjoy very much. But if you were independently wealthy, you might not do that job. <laughs> you might do something else. But you do the job that you do. You do that labor because you expect a result. You're looking for a wage because you have a living to make and you have mouths to feed. And so you, you look for wages. And the works of the flesh ultimately are negative And they have a, a selfish outcome and, and and they look at things with with cynicism and doubt and and just assume it's of evil intent. And so the works of the flesh, even when you think you've done a good job, the works of the flesh do nothing more than than secure a slavish fear or works done by someone in bitterness. And it's just it's, it's just rotten. It's rotten. The, the flesh is, is no good. But in Christ, he teaches this child, I don't, I don't want that. I don't, I'm not looking for any harm for my brethren. I don't want them to be harmed or weighted down or burdened or hurt by something I've done. I don't want that. Looking to Christ, that's not what our intention or, or desire is. The fruit of the Spirit in us is contrary to that. that. That describes the flesh, and the spirit is 100% contrary, 
contrary to the flesh. Now, when we consider the fruit of the Spirit, it's with our eye, our eyes toward Christ. We're, we're just looking to Him. We're not trying to bear the fruits. I mean, sometimes the Lord gives us a heart. <laughs> we realize that we're nasty or rude or mean or something, and we realize, I don't, I don't want to be like this. Lord, help me. Sometimes He, he, he draws out of us that prayer, he, he gives the prayer in the heart so that we see what we are and we realize, I don't, that's just flesh. I don't want to be like that. Lord, help me. So he, there are times when he draws us in that way, but with regards to this fruit, it's not a labor. There's not a wage to earn. Fruit is the result, right? We're not looking for a, result, a further result The fruit itself is the very result of that which is born in us. It's just what's produced by the Spirit, and it's full of grace. You know, in my in my yard on my property, I have I have a couple of fruit trees. One is an apple tree. One's a a fruit cocktail tree, is what it's called. It's supposed to be a fruit cocktail tree. They they uh, do whatever they do in in putting six different fruit trees in one and there's a a little ball and if you bury it in the yard properly and and it was done properly when they put it together it should bear six six different fruits and and it's it's got a couple of peaches maybe a couple plums there's a nectarine and an apricot mine doesn't do that I I don't I don't think I read it correctly. I might have buried it a little too deep, so that doesn't work. But it, it, one of them has a couple peaches and a plum there, but what it produces is what it produces. <laughs> it's what comes for. It's what the tree does. That's what it does. When the apples appear on the apple tree, it's because that's what the apple bears. It's the result of it. I don't see the, the tree laboring or struggling to do it. It just sets the flower and the flower falls, and the fruit appears and, and grows. It just does what, what it does. And when, when the fruits in you are of the Spirit, you're not looking for anything more. It doesn't matter whether they ask for it or want it. <laughs> you're, you're just bearing that fruit of the Spirit. And there's no how-to. I can't tell you what to do because we don't, justify ourselves we don't we're we're not working for our own righteousness and the scriptures tell us christ is our sanctification he bears everything everything in his people their wisdom their peace their joy in him the love that they have it's all of christ and when you walk in the spirit as opposed to the flesh it's of him there's there's never any excuse when, when I bear the fruits, of, when I bear the works of the flesh, when I'm walking in the flesh, there's no excuse. Even if you can look back and say, I see that the Lord, his will was done. Yes, it was, but I'm still responsible for my sin and my works, what I've done. I'm still responsible. Not the Lord. It was my fault. My fault. I've done it. And when we bear the fruit, of the Spirit, I have nothing to glory in because it wasn't of me. It was of Him. It's of the Spirit and we rejoice in Him. And 
and, and praise him because it really is all of him. And, and you, when we know what we are, we know, yep, it's all of the Lord. And I can't even begin to try and say anything else. It's all of, of him. So we don't do anything to produce them. The flesh works contrary to these things. And just like last year when the, the fruit was setting, a cold wind came and temperatures dropped and flowers fell off and no fruit came where those things were. But a few flowers remained and it's what the Lord did. It's how the Lord brought it. And the flesh might try and knock down things and, and insofar as the Lord allows it, it'll, it'll be knocked down. But, but our prayer, our desire is that the Lord bring forth his fruit and that it comes to full ripeness and, and is edifying and comforting and a help to our brethren. Right? But the flesh is always contrary so that you cannot do the things that you would. And, but the Spirit does bear fruits of righteousness in the children because we are trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. The planting of the Lord. The Lord plants and brings forth his people, the fruit in his people. Isaiah 61.3. Now, the first fruit that's listed here is love. It's love. Now, as I was thinking about love, I remembered, I went to that verse in Romans 6, it's in verse 14 and 15, where we're told that believers are not under the law, but under grace. We're not under law, but under grace. And even though we are not under the law, do you know that the scriptures teach that love is the fulfillment of the law? You're not under the law. But that love, which the Spirit produces in you, is the fulfillment of the whole law. The whole law. Believers fulfill the whole law under grace, not under the law. Believers fulfill the whole law looking to Christ, not looking to the law. <laughs> looking to Christ, the whole law is fulfilled. And it, the, the Spirit bears the fruit of love in his child, and love fulfills the whole law. In Romans 13.10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Love works no ill to his neighbor. You don't, you don't covet the things of your neighbor. When you love them, you're happy for them. You're not bearing that, those works of the flesh that envies and lusts after what they have. And you don't take a shovel or a tool left on their property that they forgot. And, and you just you love them. You do what is good and, and right toward them because you love them. Therefore, Paul says, love is the fulfilling of the law. The law has nothing to say to you that love another, to, to, to you that are loving, to, to your brother, to your neighbor, to anyone. That what, what is needed from the law? You've fulfilled the whole thing. You've done that which you haven't harmed them in any, in any way. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. It's Romans 13.10. Then, 
we read that God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we look at that, how God loves you, his child, while you were yet sinful and evil and, and, and despised him, where, where the, God was your enemy, and you lived in rebellion, walking according to the course of this world, under the power of the prince of the air, and were a child of wrath and disobedience. That's what, what we are, and yet God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So then the love that the Spirit bears in me, that, that fruit of the Spirit, is not dependent in any way how others treat me. It has nothing, it's not a response. It's not, it, it has nothing to do with whether that person loves me or cares for me or mistreats me at all. It has nothing to do with that. That's, that's not how God's love works, because we were sinners. <laughs> Rebellious, hard-hearted, cold, indifferent, enmity against God when he saved us, when his love was shown to us in Christ. And so, if, if it's God's love, if it's God's love wrought in me, it doesn't depend on whether they love me or care for me in any way. So regardless of how deserving we are, and really I should say in spite of how undeserving we are, God is love toward his people. He maketh the sun to rise and the rain to fall on both the just and the unjust, even though the unjust despise him and have no care for him and think nothing of him. In 1 Corinthians 13, that's the chapter of love, and we see how that word charity is used. And I said this recently, but I'll say it again. That word charity is great because it implies generosity. Be generous with your love. Don't hold back. Don't be cheap. Let it be generously flowing, regardless of whether... They care or not, whether they notice or not. Be very, very generous with your love. When it comes to your brethren, love generously, even if it's to a fault. Even if it's to a fault. And someone says, you're just being taken advantage of. You're a fool. Okay. I like what Jane Austen said, we're all fools in love. <laughs> and what a great way to love your brethren. I'm a fool. Let them... Let me be a fool, because I love him. Like that, that's just how it is. And I love this verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, when, when evil would enter my mind toward my brethren, I'm reminded of this verse which says, Love beareth all things. Love believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things, love never fails. And that's the, the love of our God toward us. It never fails toward us, even when we are undeserving sinners, even when we deserve wrath and punishment and to be cast out. God loves you for Christ's sake because you're precious to him.
and he delights in his son. And you come in his son, not in your own righteousness, not in anything you've done, but looking to Christ, knowing he's my righteousness. He's the salvation my father has provided and put away my sin forever and receives me in him, has drawn me to the son and put me in him for safekeeping. And he did everything. And he loves me like that. And, and, and that's the love that the spirit bears in us. Love, charity, never faileth. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 and the beginning of 8. So the thought of being loved then, when you think of being loved, how were you when you were in love? You were full of joy. You are. You're full of joy. You that love and are loved, you're, you're joyful. <laughs> you're, you're, you're happy. Even in a contrary day, right? What's that, that song that says? Um, how does that go? I got sunshine on a cloudy day. When it's cold outside, I got the month of May. Because <laughs> I got my girl. I love my girl. I love, right? It's, it's love. Well, it's more than a sentimental love, but God loves me, a sinner, and he's born in me love for my God and Savior. That gives us joy. That's joyful. That's joyful. We, it's, joy comes as a, as a result of love. And Peter makes this connection, actually, in 1 Peter 1.8. He says, whom having not seen. We have not seen Christ with these eyes. By faith we have, but whom having not seen, ye love. And whom, though now ye see him not, though the, the clouds of the dust of my flesh kick up and cloud him from my view, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy unspeakable. That's what the Lord produces in you who know his love and feel his love and have the fruit of love born in you, there is joy, joy, even when it's a dark, contrary day. doesn't matter. That has no bearing. In fact, that fruit shines more brightly in the gray, dark, cloudy skies because regardless, in spite of the nasty weather, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm joyful in the Lord. I'm thankful for the grace of my God. Now, just like joy, we see that, that how joy is born in contrary seasons, so also is the fruit of peace. Peace. What a still and calming peace our God has wrought in our souls. That though in my sin and in my works of the flesh, I was tormented. And my flesh and the guilt of my conscience was a flame and fire of guilt and misery and woe because of my sin. But when God came and applied that soothing, cooling blood of Christ and washed away my sins, everything became peaceful, peaceful. John, the apostle, tells us that when he looked, and behold, there was a door opened in heaven. In Revelation 4, there was a door opened in heaven. That door 
open by the blood and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, who came and redeemed his people by the death of himself. That door was opened in heaven, and John looked and he saw before the throne of God a sea of glass. A sea of glass. And a little later in Revelation 15, he says that he sees the the saints standing on that sea of glass. And if you've ever seen a body of water that is like glass, it's because it is peace. It is still. There's nothing moving in that water to disturb it. There's no boat rocking on top of it. There's no rocking the boat and and ripples going out. There's no blast of wind coming down upon it to send ripples to the shore. It's glass. As soon as anything disturbs it, it's no longer glass. (laughs) It's, It's messed up. It's up and down. There's waves. I mean, you look at the ocean. It's just waves constantly crashing on the shore. It's not at peace. It's just muck and mire. But that sea of glass speaks to the peace which we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is peace because of the blood of Christ. And so you're at peace. You that are washed in the blood of Christ, you're put at peace. When the Spirit bears that fruit in you, there is peace. Now, that peace that we have with God, it affords us long-suffering. Long-suffering, which is patient endurance through the trials, through the tribulations, through the troubles that we go, we're patient in those, we endure those things. Why? Because we know that my God, who's done all this for me, is working all things for good, all things together for my good and the good of my brethren. Though this trouble is here, it's okay. (laughs) The Lord has sent it. The Lord has sent it. I know he sent it. He's, a, he's the Lord. He does as he pleases. And he teaches me and corrects me and keeps me and holds me and brings me to himself. So there's long suffering born in the people of God in spite of the trials and tribulations. The next fruit we read of is gentleness. Gentleness. Sometimes in the scripture that's, that word is interpreted kindness. I think it's a little more interpreted kindness in that sense, and I think of Titus 3, 4, but after that, the kindness, after the gentleness, right? When, think of how patient you were with your children when they were young, how gentle you were, how understanding and, and kind you were when they needed help, when they didn't do something right, when they didn't wash the dishes clean the way you would clean them or sweep as well as you would sweep, you're gentle. You're gentle and kind to them. And it says, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Well, that tells me that this gentleness is rooted in Christ. It's for Christ's sake. How is God toward us? He's gentle. He doesn't backhand us and smack us. (laughs) When we step out of line, he's not harsh. With us, he's gentle to us and how he instructs us and keeps us and turns us back into the way. He's gentle. He's kind. And so that kindness is rooted in 
Christ. It's rooted in Christ. And so what does that mean? That helps us when we come to a passage like Ephesians 4.3, where that same word is used. It's, it's the same root word, where Paul writes by the Spirit, and be ye kind one to another. Be ye gentle one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another for Christ's sake. Right? Forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That forgiveness is rooted in Christ. And you're forgiven by your God in Christ. And so in that same root connected to Christ, you may be gentle and kind toward others. <laughs> and it, we are. It's born in the Spirit. It's born in us by the Spirit. Next is goodness. Goodness. This speaks to that kindness, that love, that patience, that long-suffering that we show in, in the face of adversity or with others. Goodness means that what we do has the intent or desire to be beneficial, just for it to be good. It's, it's pure, and I just intend it for your good, not, not for any harm, not looking for anything. It's just, I, I pray the Lord bless you. That, that's it. The Lord bless you. And it's just good, and it's born out of the intent to do another good and not harm. Not harm. And then Paul lists faith. Faith. Faith is, I think uh, I was reading uh, Tim James on this, and he, he called it the linchpin. It's a linchpin, right? Because faith is that faith in our God, so that I'm not worried about how others might perceive it, or take it, or understand it, or reject it, it doesn't matter. I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord. I walk in faith. And sometimes that might blow up in your face, but that's okay if that's the will and purpose of God. That's his, that's his purpose. You know, when I was a young boy, we had a, a crab apple tree that was growing in the yard. And I used to like to pick up those apples that had fallen down and, I mean, I was a boy, I just liked throwing things. <laughs> and I would throw them at that tree and watch them explode off the tree and just blow up and go into different pieces all over the place. Sometimes people are going to do that. They're just going to take that fruit and throw it right back at you to do you harm. And what, what can we do? We trust the Lord. We trust the Lord. We walk in, in faith. And this faith also acts as the umbrella over the next two fruits that we read of, of meekness and temperance, because faith is how we walk. We walk by faith, not by sight, not seeing things as we would see them or how we expect to see them. It's a walk of faith in the spirit, looking to your God, not to yourself, not to what it produces or does. What, what am I getting out of this? That's not the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit sets according to the Spirit, in love, in peace, in joy, in, in long-suffering, in gentleness, in goodness, in faith, in faith. And meekness means that, again, we're, 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 we're made humble, walking humbly, gently. It's okay. I don't need, I'm not looking to get ahead. That, that's gone. And so there's a meekness which depends upon the grace of God toward us. And then finally, temperance. 
Because again, you're walking in faith by the Spirit. Faith, uh, temperance has to do with self-control or moderation over all fleshly appetites, right? Eating, drinking, sleeping, relaxation, work, whatever it is, this flesh is full of <coughs> lusts and passions, and temperance is just that moderating thing that says, I, I know there are certain things i got to do, but let me do them in faith, in faith. And that's how we, we walk in faith. And so Paul tells us that while we see that these fruits are opposed to the flesh, and the flesh is opposed to these fruits, to the Spirit, and Paul concludes that against such there is no law. There's no law, because what law could be written to control this or to have any say over these fruits? Don't be too generous. Don't be too giving. Don't be too kind. Don't be too patient. No, there's no law like that at all. The law wasn't written for a righteous man, but for the unjust, for the sinner. Right? And so these fruits, there's no law. I mean, maybe you could say the law of love, the law of liberty, the law of faith, the law of Christ, but there's no law of this flesh that rules over that. There's no law. So walk in the Spirit, looking to Christ. Looking to Christ, and the Spirit bears these fruits of righteousness in you, in you that are the Lord's, who love Him and know Him, and He, he does it. He brings it forth in His time and in his manner. Amen.